0: Well, happy Easter to you all, and it's so wonderful that one of the greatest days of celebration in the church is Easter, because we're not just remembering the birth of Jesus or his death, but Easter is the celebration of his resurrection and life. And now more than ever, we need the resurrection and life of Jesus to flow in his church and to flow in our lands, in our nations. And I want to speak on another of the Psalms that show the life that God desires to flow in his people. And this one is Psalm 126. It's another of the Psalms of degrees or Psalms of ascent that the pilgrims would sing on their journey to worship the Lord in Jerusalem. And I wanted to read this Psalm with you if we could. Let's read together in Psalm 126. It says when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like those that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. And then said they among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth in weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And we're reading about the pilgrims singing about their captivity, or more specifically, uh, the captivity of Israel in Babylon, and the joy that took place when God turned that captivity. And it was such a wonderful turning. For almost 70 years, Israel had been held captive in Babylon, endured great difficulties, learning powerful lessons of the need to serve God with a pure heart. And at the end of that period of time, God moves the heart of the prophet Daniel to pray and intercede for his nation so that God would move from heaven and bring his people back to the land of Israel. And perhaps Daniel was one of the ones who showed the prophecies of Israel's return to King Cyrus. But in any event, it was the Persian king Cyrus that made the decree in 536 BC that allowed the Jews to return and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And so the pilgrims are remembering and rehearsing the goodness of the Lord by reminding themselves how he turned their captivity in times of old, but also with the hope that he would do it again in their day. And the key verse I want to look at with you is in verse 4. And so in Psalm 126 in verse 4, it says, Turn our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. And so we see the saints asking for the Lord to turn their captivity. And this thought of captivity can apply to us as well as individuals. Sometimes we can go through experiences where we feel very constricted, very confined. I remember something that Pastor Bailey, the founder of our fellowship, once said to me. He used to travel all over the world and tell us stories of ministering in many locations, but there came a point of time in his life when the Lord limited his travels and told him to write books. And he told me that it felt like kind of a captivity as he was in his study day after day just writing books, and he ended up writing around 50 books before the Lord took him to heaven. But I think now how grateful we are that he submitted to that captivity, that he was faithful to write because we have those writings as a resource. They've been a blessing to many people and they're used all over the world. And so I'm bringing this out in a sense because we are all going through a captivity. It's a time where we cannot do very much There are a lot of limitations that are being placed on us, and that can be hard to deal with and hard to submit to. But a captivity can also be a time of fruitfulness, because God can do a work in our lives. Now, you might relate captivity to the thought of a boat. In order for a boat to be worked on to be refurbished, it has to be put in a dry dock, out of the water, so that They can work on that. And so a lot of productivity can take place in a time of captivity. In the book of Song of Solomon, the Lord speaks to his people and to his bride, and he calls her to come away. And he says this in Song of Solomon 2 and verse 8. He says, The voice of my beloved He comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. And then verse 10, he says, My beloved spoke and said to me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. And it's as if it's a new season that the Lord is calling his bride to come away with him, an invitation to spend more time with him, to come to know him more. And I get the sense that the Lord is calling unto us, that it's a time when we're limited in where we can go and what we can do, but yet that he's calling us to come away, to take that opportunity to spend time with him, to hear his voice, to respond to him. In the world today, it almost seems as if it's a time where everything is resetting, Even in the natural, every industry, every country is kind of reevaluating how they're going to progress. What is going to be the new normal? Because of the things that are taking place, they're resetting their goals and their expectations. But, you know, I think there's also a reset taking place for us in this day and in this hour, a resetting of our goals and expectations of what we are going to do, what they're, we're able to do, and perhaps even a clarification for what God wants to do in our lives, what he's going to do in our church, what he's going to do in the nations of the earth. And we can view this time as an opportunity to come away with the Lord, to get a clearer sense of what he wants to do in us and through us, what he wants to speak to us, in this new season. Yet in all these things, we can be assured that there will be a turning. You know, that was the cry of the psalmist in 126 verse 4. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. And that thought of the streams in the south, it's a wonderful picture of what would take place in the southern, southern deserts in Israel. And in the desert, there would be dry stream beds, but up north, there could be rain in the mountains. And even though there were very clear skies in the south, it would rain in the mountains of the north. And all of a sudden, they would hear a rumbling as the water would come rushing from the north, filling those dry stream beds so that almost in an instant, they became mighty rivers. And so the psalmist is praying, Lord, let there be a turning like the stream beds of the desert being transformed into mighty rivers, and that that might happen in a moment. You know, the Lord greatly desires to turn our captivity. That's why he came to earth. We can read about this in Ephesians 4, and verse 8. It says, Christ, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. You know, the captivity of that mankind was in of sin and judgment. Jesus defeated that captivity once and for all to give the gift of freedom and liberty unto mankind. And he's still in the business of delivering us from our captivities. And he can do it even in a day. We can think of the remarkable story of Joseph. How he was literally sold into captivity by his brothers. He went through great difficulties as a slave in the house of Potiphar, then as a prisoner in Pharaoh's prison. But God turned his captivity in a day. Literally, he woke up one morning a prisoner, perhaps in chains. And by that evening, he was wearing royal robes and made second in command under Pharaoh. What an awesome transformation. But one thing we know about Joseph is that he was a man who learned to reign and overcome in his captivity. In Potiphar's house, somehow he met God and he learned to trust in the Lord and to lean upon him in that time of being a slave. And it must have had an effect upon his master because Potiphar saw Joseph's life and his demeanor and chose him to be his steward, which meant that he was over all the, all of Potiphar's house. Then, of course, in prison, it was a deeper trial or a deeper captivity. And sometimes God will lead us from captivity to captivity to do a deep work as he was in Joseph. But even in that prison, Joseph did not give up or become despondent. Instead, he relied again upon the Lord and The jailer saw Joseph and said, this is a man I can trust. And he made Joseph essentially the the warden of the prison, giving him the keys. But, you know, this is a message to us. The Lord has not promised to remove captivities totally from our lives. But he has promised to give us grace to overcome if we will receive it. So that we can reign and overcome as Joseph did. In his captivity. You know, the Bible says that if we are faithful to do his will and we follow the Lamb wherever he's led us, that we will reign with him in eternity. But God also desires us to, to do so in this life so that we reign in life. You know, Paul said this in the, in the book of Romans chapter five and verse 17. He said, for by one man's offense, death reign through one. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. You know, just as the Lord wants us to reign in heaven, he also wants us to reign in life. And we can do that by receiving his abundance of grace in his gift of righteousness. And in the Greek that word for abundance, it can also mean super abundance. Kind of like the idea of those streams. It wasn't just a trickle of water, it was a super abundance of water that came in a moment. Well, for our captivity to be transformed like the streams in the south, we need a super abundance of grace. And grace can mean divine favor and also divine ability. That when we are in our captivities, we don't, we we feel we don't have strength to go on, as I'm sure Joseph felt at times. But we can cry out to God, Lord, fill me with Your superabundance of grace. And our captivity will probably be made up of many experiences where that is our prayer. But that is what makes. It the abundance of grace as we cry out again and again, Lord, give me grace to endure, to overcome in this area that you're working in in my life. And as we receive that grace, that divine ability, he empowers us to overcome in our hearts, in our attitude, in our responses toward other, others, because God wants us to reign. He also wants to give us the free gift of his righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness is basically doing what is right in God's sight. And how many of us know that the desires we have in our heart do not always line up with what what God says is right. But God wants to give us a gift while we are on earth of showing us the right way for us to walk in. What is the best, best pathway for us to go in in God's sight? And when we embrace God's pathway His way of doing things, it will cause us to reign and overcome in our captivities and in our lives. Now, we can say these things, but we realize they are not easy. In fact, it can be quite difficult, even painful at times as we go through these experiences and make that decision to cry out to the Lord and walk in His way. But the psalmist says something that can give us perspective. And let's read that in Psalm 126, verses 5 through 6. And it says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy, and he that goes forth and weeps bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I wonder how many times Joseph must have wept as he remembered his family back home, wondering what God was doing, asking for the Lord to deliver him. And in our captivity, there are many times where we are crying out to God, maybe even weeping, crying out for a change in our lives, in our family, in our church and in our nation. And we are all desperately praying for God to move perhaps in revival, and to pour out His Spirit upon our land. And it seems like we've been praying for that for a long time, with many tears. And our captivities can be a time of tears, of crying out to God. But it can also be a time of sowing, planting many seeds through our prayers, through our crying out, that when the turning comes, and when that dry stream is turned into river, there will be an abundant harvest and it will be a great time of joy. And the Lord is assuring us that if we are faithful to sow, that there shall be a reaping. You know, in a sense, Joseph is a type of the church of the last days. We're in a captivity crying out for a release for an outpouring of the Spirit of God upon the land. But as someone once said, the abundance of water won't bring life unless there is an abundance of seed. And it's through our drawing near in the time of captivity, as Daniel did, of crying out to God and planting many seeds through our prayer and communion with the Lord. Yet we can know that there will be a turning In a day, God can turn our captivity as the streams in the south. He can do that in our personal lives, and he will do that in his church. And so as we consider this psalm, let's respond to him in this season and come away so that we can reign in our captivity and see that wonderful turning that God desires to bring in our lives. God bless you.